0: Hello again everybody. It's great to be with you. Why don't we ask God to help us as we consider that passage. <clears throat> Father God, thank you so much that we could be here this morning. Thank you so much that we can read your word together and spend time thinking about it together. Please help us to understand these words of Jesus, to internalize them and to respond appropriately. We ask in his name. Amen. Apparently in the 1970s, beyond my living memory, Uh, Coca-Cola had tremendous success with an advertising campaign uh, calling Coke the real thing. Um, And the idea idea was to distinguish Coke from the chief competitor, which is? And it would seem absurd that uh, a soft drink should be Uh, marketed as an existential choice, but what Coke realized is that nobody likes a a phony or or second-rate or an imitation thing when the real thing is on offer. We all want the real thing, don't we? Now, you guys have been considering the I am statements from John's Gospel, and I think I, uh, I, look, I was due to be here next week, not this Sunday, but Kieran did a swap. So it could be that this is not the last one. You could be doing John chapter 14 next week. I'm not sure. But do you remember any of these I am statements that you've been looking at over the f- past few weeks that Jesus said? I am the the bread of life. The light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate, or the door of the sheep. Well, that's today. And very interesting that you said, I am the vine, because that's what I thought that Jesus said. But just, uh, you might want to keep your Bibles open, because we'll be looking at some of the verses in this Bible, and hopefully there's so much to say about what we read I'll just hopefully give you the gist of these verses from John chapter 15. And as we heard, this gentleman, I'm sorry, I don't know your name, said, I am the vine. And that's what I expected it to say. But interestingly enough, John chapter 15, verse 1 says, I am the true vine. I expected him to say, I'm the vine, but he says, I'm the true vine. So like Coke, he's saying, I am the real thing. I'm the real deal. I'm the real McCoy. I'm the true vine. What does he mean? Uh, well, it's a picture. It's a parable, as with the other I statements. If he's the real vine or the true vine, what is the other vine? What is the fake one? What is the imitation one? Well, in speaking about a vine, the disciples would have known exactly what Jesus was was talking about. Uh, the vine was a symbol for Israel. That came out of the the many references to vines in the Old Testament. And in one of the one of the, the pictures or the passages that bring out the a story of the vine was the one that was read first from Psalm eighty. Um, In apparently in Jesus' day, the vine there, there was a, a golden vine that that uh, decorated the, the, the front porch of the temple sanctuary. So, if people brought uh, uh, like a free will offering, like a, some grapes or some fruit or something, then the priests would put that on on the vine. And there was also coins that were printed in Jesus' day that had a picture of the vine on them. Um, and it 's important for us the the, the the image is an important one because we often have vines in our city houses and that are uh, decorative vines, and less often we have vines that are fruit bearing vines, but that was the purpose of the vines in the time of uh, Jesus. Their purpose was to bear fruit, whether those uh, vines bore melons or pumpkins or most, I guess most often, grapes. And this was exactly what God had said to uh, Abram when he promised him at the beginning of his uh, relationship with God, uh, all nations will be blessed through you. Um, That's why the nation of Israel is pictured as a vine, because their purpose was to bear fruit in the world. Now, do you remember how that little passage went in Psalm 80? The story about the vine. The vine grows and shows promise, but then what happens? Were you listening? What happened to the vine? It was broken down. The walls were broken down. So wild animals came and ravaged the vines. There was fire that, that came and destroyed the vine. The vine produced no fruit. It's just about dead. And similar things happened to the vines in other parts of the Old Testament, Ezekiel 19, Hosea 10. Those pictures are pictures of failed vines, which typify the failed Israel. Israel was fruitless, just like those vines. But then Jesus comes along in John chapter 15 and he says, I am the true vine. I am the true Israel. I am the means whereby God will bring forth fruit in the world. I am the one through whom God's mission to the world will be fulfilled. So this passage is all about mission. Woohoo! That's why CMS's vision is a world that knows Jesus, because Jesus is at the center of God's purposes for the world. And Jesus tells that, or tells his disciples how it's going to come about that he will bring blessing to the world. Uh, in verse 13 and 14, he says, Greater love has no man than this, than he. Then he lay down his life for his friends, and he says, you are my friends. So he says the, the core of his work is to lay down his life, to die and to rise again, and to radically transform their statements, their, their status from in, in verse uh, 15, from servants, or more literally slaves, to uh, friends. And he's fully revealing God to them. Uh, the God of grace and love. So Jesus is the fulfillment of God's mission to the world. He's the true Israel. He's the true vine. But how is that blessing going to be taken to the world? How is the mission going to be magnified? We'll look at some M's. And that's the second aspect of the vine that that, uh, we'll consider here. The answer is quite obvious. It's through the branches, branches that bear fruit. Branches feature all over this uh, passage. Look at verse 2, for example. Jesus says, He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. That's talking about the vine dresser. Verse 16 again Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So the way God's mission is going to be magnified is by fruit-bearing branches. But who are the branches? Well, the branches are those people or disciples who abide in him. That word abide uh, is repeated over and over again through the passage. Abide or, in other versions of the Bible, remain. The branches must remain in the vine. The disciples must remain in Christ. In terms of the image, it's a no-brainer. If you cut off a branch from the vine or a tree, the branch dies. And so Jesus says similarly in verse Five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. So the question is, what does it mean to remain in Christ? Jesus uh, gradually explains what he means. In verse 7 he says, If you abide in me and my words... Abide in you. So it's like he's equating those two ideas, they remaining in him and his words remaining in them. So that's what abiding means. And then he unpacks that further in verse 10. He says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So it seems like remaining or abiding in Jesus or remaining in his love, or having his words remain in them, is about obeying his commands. Obeying his commands? That's how we abide or remain in Jesus? What? Did Jesus expect perfect obedience? Surprising answer seems to be yes. Those who are to remain in him should obey his teachings. Do you keep his teachings? I don't know if anyone's willing to raise their hand. Well, you should be. What are his teachings? Well, just in terms of John's gospel, John's gospel is almost punctuated by those uh, I am statements, and those I am statements are focused on Jesus himself and his identity. And his work, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate or the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life. So keeping his commands is primarily about believing his words about who he is and what he's come to do. And John summarizes that in chapter 6, verse 29. John says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That is how the disciples are to abide in him, to keep his commands or his command, which is to believe in him. And John summarizes that at the end of the book. He says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So are you abiding or remaining in Christ? I hope you are. But if you have doubts, please do speak to Kieran or chat to me afterwards as well. God's mission will be magnified by fruit-bearing branches or disciples who remain in Christ, who keep trusting him as Lord and Savior. But now we must uh, not miss the confronting words of verse 2. Verse uh, the gardener, the vine dresser, removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Jesus insists that fruitfulness is an infallible mark of true faith in Christ. Fruitfulness is not how one becomes a believer or stays a believer, but it will flow out of being a believer. Just as Jesus is the true vine, which is to bear fruit in the world, it would be unthinkable that there'd be some part of the vine that would bear no fruit or bear rotten fruit. So, friends, if we are disciples of Christ, we will bear fruit. And of course, a natural or appropriate question would to ask at this point would be, "Well, what is the fruit?" there's possibly a range of things that we could include and that we could expect. But what is the fruit being referred to in this passage? Well, we need to uh, look at the means by which this fruit will come, and then that will tell us what the fruit is. So that's the third aspect of the vine we'll think about. What is the means of fruit bearing? And Jesus answers clearly in verse 7 and verse 16. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And just like in other statements where he makes a pithy statement and then he kind of expands the statement a little bit later, verse 16 says, halfway through the sentence, I appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Fruit will be borne by the disciples in prayer and in total prayerful dependence on God. That's the means of fruit bearing, prayer. Because the Father is the gardener, he's ultimately sovereign. He's the one that's going to bring, uh, he's going to, That's going to bring the fruit about. But what kind of prayer? Prayer for what? Well, it's prayer as they go. And that going, that little word, would be easy to miss. Verse 16. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So the word go highlights the mission theme of John's gospel, going to make disciples. So the most important fruit that's referred to in this passage is the fruit of the vine itself growing of other people coming to know Jesus. Now I want to digress for a few moments and just say how it's so easy to take these words the wrong way. Uh, one of the key formative experiences of my life was when I was uni age and I've, I'd, been, I'd grown up going to a church but I wasn't taught very well and I'd read these verses and I'd believed that they told me that everything that I asked for in prayer God would give me. I believed if I'm a Christian I pray God will give me that thing. So I picked up a leg injury. And there was no result from physio treatment. But I believed I was a Christian. So God would give me the healing that I asked for. So I prayed. And lo and behold, God did not heal me. And I prayed and I prayed and God still did not heal me. And that made me quite angry. Because I'd lived... Good life up to that point. I'd gone to church. I hadn't been a wild teenager. And I was angry with God. Hadn't he said that in in his word? What was going on? And so I wanted to rebel. But then I got too scared because I thought, well, if I do rebel, then I'll get drunk and I'll wander across the road and I'll die. And then I will go to hell. But I was still confused and I tried to look for answers and I started asking pastors of different churches associated with the university. And they gave me such answers as, you don't have enough faith when you're praying. Or there is some kind of sin in your life. That's why God's not giving you what you ask for. Now while it was true that I didn't have enough faith, who does? And it was true that there was sin in my life, Who doesn't have sin? They were not adequate answers. But by God's profound grace and love, I ended up in a Bible study uh, with a friend of mine. And there was a particular minister of an evangelical church. And I asked him the same question. Why is God not giving me what I ask in my prayers? And he said to me, do you know that God has not promised to give you everything you ask in your prayer? I said, what? What did you just say? Did you know that God hasn't promised to give you everything you ask in your prayer? I'll always be so grateful to him for saying that to me. I pointed pointed him to these verses, and he showed me that these verses were all about God's mission and about the disciples praying for fruit as they go and God promising to give them fruit as they go. And this epiphany resulted in a total turnaround in my life because I realized how I'd been living an essentially self-centered life rather than on a life focused on God's purposes for the world. But I do continue to see a lot of misunderstanding about prayer. There's an aged person I know who is still in praying about his own ill health, says, I pray and I pray, but nothing happens. And so he says, I believe God has discarded me. May you never feel that about God because you believe wrong things about prayer. Now, there's so much we could say about prayer That's not the primary focus of this passage. This primary focus of this passage is about Jesus being the true vine, the means by which God will fulfill his mission to the world. But this passage is promising that as we go and as we seek to bear fruit as part of God's mission, that God will grant us fruit. And that's so important for me in my ministry at CMS because I can obsess about money and I I can use an opportunity like this to say, please give us money. But this passage is teaching us and me that the most important thing I should be appealing for is for people to pray. In fact, if I ask for money, I'm setting the bar way, way too low because... You know, Most of us have some disposable kind of income and signing away 50 bucks a month from our bank account maybe won't be noticed. But to actually pray for a missionary is a lot harder because it means receiving another email in our inboxes. It means reading that email and it means actually praying. But of course, apart from praying for missionaries, these verses are reminding us that we're all branches that are part of the vine, meaning we're all meant to bear fruit. And you might think, how how can I bear fruit in my context with the hard uh, people that I'm with? And this passage is telling us, ask, ask God, ask God for fruit, Ask God to give you the words. Ask God to give you the opportunities. Ask God um, to make your words meaningful and effective. Ask and he will grant fruit. So this passage ultimately reminds us that the vine will grow, that the vine will bear fruit in the world and fill it with fruit. So will you commit to praying for fruit? fruitfulness through this church and in your own life, at your workplace, with your family, in your neighbourhood. And maybe you can commit to praying for a CMS missionary as well. You can put your name on a list in the hall. I'd love to connect you with our newest family applying to be missionaries when they connect to St. Philip's. Please, God. But God promises to bring us fruit in this. God promises to be honored as he answers our prayers for fruitfulness. And Jesus tells us this so that his joy would be in us and our joy would be full. So let's pray as a result of that. Father God, we thank you that Jesus is the true vine. And we can be part of the true vine Through whom and through his death and resurrection your mission to the world will be fulfilled and is being fulfilled. And help us to remain in him by trusting him as Lord and Savior. And please bring fruit through us as we seek to go and make him known. Trusting you and being dependent on you for that fruit. We ask this for your honor and for our joy. Amen.